3: through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing.
2: Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 35 of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. Today, I am super excited. We have an interview with a good friend of mine, Nicole Culver. I am just so excited for everybody to hear about her journey and the types of things that she is doing in her business. Um, Jamie and I were talking about this and I met Nicole. We were part of a mastermind together pretty early on in our businesses. And it was just so cool to see how much she's grown. I remember when. Danielle and I first met <laughs> and we were talking and we were starting
3: business and she's like, oh, I'm in this, I'm in this online mastermind. And I'm like, oh, what am mind?" <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's where I got my intro, I think was from that
2: mastermind that you were doing. It was such a great group. And I love, even though it kind of fizzled out a little bit, it was amazing to watch what everybody has gone on to do with their businesses. It's just such a cool process. And I love staying in touch with everybody, even though we're not necessarily meeting in a more formal capacity. I, I feel like this goes sort of hand in hand with
3: last week's episode where I talked about my friendship with Lisa and how we rely on each other. And it sounds like Nicole's very similar. Mm-hmm. But in the mastermind setting, which I sort of love, I wonder how many people in the HQ utilize masterminds, whether they are free
2: or they are paid. Yes, we would we definitely want to hear about that from everybody as to whether or not you've joined one, because you can really create some amazing relationships from those groups for sure. We've been in some great masterminds. Yes, definitely. We've met so many, oh my gosh, all the amazing people. There's so many good people that we've met and people with like completely different business models that we may not have known otherwise. That's my favorite part is meeting someone who's in a, com-
3: a different industry or does something completely different and to find out more about how their business works. Because I feel like we take something from each person, even though I don't think any of them are ever in legal services. They're typically in some way online or have an online presence, but that's sort of where the connection ends. Or maybe they're a service professional. That's the other connection. But a service professional may be in a completely different industry, but so much translates between the industries when you sort of break it down and look at it from that service perspective.
2: Yeah, it's been such it's just been such an opportunity to get to meet these people and watch, you know, and knowing you get this inside look at somebody's business. So it's really cool to get to know their business and then watch them achieve the goals that they're setting out to or if they realize that something wasn't the right type of fit for their business, then to watch them iterate and do something new. I love it. I like getting excited for like people that are in our masterminds.
3: You know, they, you know, if you have like the money or friday, if anybody has those threads in any of their <laughs> groups, I get excited to see the successes that people are experiencing. And, you know, when somebody is brave enough to come out and say, yeah, I had something that wasn't so much a success, but this is what I took out of it so that other people can learn from
2: that. Okay. So speaking of awesome success, I want to tell everybody a little bit about Nicole before we jump into the interview. Nicole Culver started her own food company, Blissful Eats in 2011, and she grew her company to over six figures in revenue using non-traditional methods like Facebook ads and email marketing. As she had more success, more bloggers and influencers came to her asking for help. As a former food blogger, she wanted to help them succeed as well. Now she focuses on supporting bloggers and influencers so they can grow their reach get paid what they're worth and be the go-to expert in their niche. Nicole shows them how they can work less with the time that they have and increase their income by being smart with their growth strategy by using tools like Facebook ads. But before we dive into our interview with Nicole here's a quick word from our sponsor.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hashtag Legal. Hashtag Legal is a full-service law firm specializing in influencer marketing, social media, and service professionals. We offer a wide range of services, contract review and drafting, trademark and copyright registration and monitoring, FTC advice and disclosures, and full site reviews, including drafting site terms and conditions and privacy policies. Check us out at www.
2: Hashtag-legal.com. Nicole, we are so excited to have you here on the podcast with us.
4: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here.
2: Your story is one of my favorites from everybody that I have met during my time in the influencer marketing space because it, honestly, let's face it, it has a lot of exciting twists and turns. Oh. So can, can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the world of blogging? Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. And thank you for that. That's so
4: nice of you. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> so I started, I started blogging while I was a teacher. I was a special ed elementary school teacher in fourth grade and it was the type of thing I think probably most bloggers have the story where their family and friends are continually calling them asking them for recipes and finally I was like I'm just gonna start a blog. I was super unskilled and definitely started on like blog spot that I think a lot of us if you know your audience can probably relate to that and it just kind of unfolded where I was blogging more and I started getting into health coaching and went back for kind of an alternate certificate after I finished my master's so I could be a health coach and I just was baking all the time and constantly bringing things in to my students and my colleagues and then my husband who I was always trying to get to eat more food because he has one of those annoying problems where like weight always just falls off of him so it. It turned into people just always saying to me, you should start a food business. You should sell this. And finally, after five years of teaching, I had a huge life change happen where we lost someone really close to me. And I was like, I'm so tired of teaching. I don't want to do this anymore. I was just wishing for the weekends every single week. And I just made this plan to start my own business, start my own food company And use that as an escape to quit my teaching job.
2: I love this story because I think that this is something that so many influencers really do dream of to start a line of amazing food products that are based on the recipes that have done so well on their blogs. And one thing I really love about your story is that you took your experience starting a product line and then you wanted to help teach people and help other food entrepreneurs. And what did that turn into in your business?
4: I was always getting questions and we had grown and scaled our food business kind of in an untraditional way because we weren't relying on distributors and just food reps and people that were doing the work for us. And we also didn't take outside funding, which a lot of food businesses do have to do to cover the costs because there are a lot of upfront costs. So I was kind of at this place where I did have some extra time, which Funny, I I don't know how, but um, I had some extra time, and I was getting a lot of questions, like "How did you do this?" And I realized I I just I could put together resources for other bloggers and other people who wanted to start their own food businesses and food companies, and it kind of just unfolded into helping other people, and I enjoyed it so much because I was missing a lot of that connection with people just being. I had had our first child at that point and my husband worked in New York City. So he was gone for like 12 hours and it it I, it came it became this outlet for me where I super enjoyed helping other people.
2: That's so amazing. What types of things were you doing to help people? Did you have groups? What else did you do to kind of convey your messages?
4: So the first thing I did, I well, I, I did start helping people one-on-one and taking on clients like that. But my first kind of thing that I did with, online, a big online audience was I started a summit. So this is where I contacted all the people I'd met over the past like five to seven years, you being one of them. And I asked them if they would teach a class with me and just record something. So to help people take their businesses to the next level and help them just learn more, build relationships with people and figure out how to get like actionable tasks to implement in their business.
2: I remember that summit. I think that was the first summit that I ever did, actually, which is amazing to think about that. And I remember how engaged that audience was, and it was really enjoyable. I think that you you really hit on something that people were looking for and craving at the time. Now, I know you also started a podcast at that point, so tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, so I actually started the podcast a little bit before, probably four months before my first online summit. And that was where I I had been listening and consuming so many podcasts. And it was free material that was super valuable. And I could listen to it anywhere. I mean, as you know, you're you've started your own. But it's one of those things that people can go for a walk, or they can go for a run, or they can fold laundry, or they can listen on their way to work. And I thought that was so valuable. And I wanted to create my own audience for that and just have a free way to help other people that they could listen to anywhere.
2: And I loved your podcast because you talked a lot about food product based businesses, but then you also really resonated with bloggers and influencers and people who are in that online business space. How did that transition you into doing more one-on-one coaching?
4: It just opened up doors for me because people felt like they knew me because they had me in their ear i was talking and they also could hear my relationships with other people because again i went to the people i had the best relationships to start my podcast so we had great conversations and it really resonated with people because we didn't just talk about the good. We talked about the struggles and what things they had to overcome. So people just started contacting me and then I started a Facebook group. Not soon enough, I would say, because I just, I didn't know. I didn't really know that much when I had started the podcast and it definitely evolved. And it was just a way for people to communicate with me and to learn to trust me and reach out to me and say, like, I want to work with you. So I would say it's just a great relationship relationship builder.
2: And this is the group that you still have. So can you tell people the name of your group so that they can find it and join if they're not already members?
4: Yeah. So my group is called Blissful Bites Community, which... Is the name of my podcast, which I'm not currently recording because I just can't do everything. So that was one of the things that had to had to go, but it's still the name of the Facebook group.
2: But you offer some amazing information in your Facebook group. So it's one that we definitely recommend for a lot of people in the influencer space because I love particularly the trainings that you offer on different things like Facebook ads, but we're gonna we'll talk about more of that. I'm getting off path here. Yeah. (laughs) So before we go down that road, tell me a little little bit about how you moved into your blogger to business program? Because I think that's a really interesting part of your journey as well.
4: Basically, I was running these online summits and these online events, and they were a lot of information over a short period of time. So usually five to seven business days, the summits would go on for, but then there, what was that next step? People watched the videos, they were able to ask questions, but they wanted more coaching and they wanted more support. So the blogger to business was the answer to that. Those people who wanted, wanted to take the next, Next step and get support every day, every month, and get new trainings. That's what basically was my answer to their questions, and it's kind of evolved where we have a different focus every month. But honestly, when I when I started it, it was just like, hey, you want you want help? You want me to answer some questions for you? Come join me. And I started it at nineteen dollars a month. That was September 2016. And I would say night probably ninety-five percent of the people who signed on with me at nineteen dollars a month are still there which is just so, so cool. And it's been so fun to watch them grow and just stay with me for a year and a half at this point.
2: And we've gotten some, I've had a lot of conversations with people who are in your group because they are growing their business so much and they'll come to us for legal assistance. And I absolutely love the feedback that I hear from everybody that you've worked with, just saying, I can't believe how much my business has grown with Nicole. This has been amazing. So those are conversations we're having about you when you don't know. Um, (laughs) Maybe I
4: should record those.
2: (laughs) So one thing that you've recently announced that was definitely another big twist in your journey is that you and your husband made the decision to close down your food business. And the one thing I really want to say is I admire so much how open you've been about this transition because I think way too frequently people kind of hide Certain things Mm -hmm. that they feel like, oh, this isn't going to reflect well on my brand and everything's so curated. But tell us a bit about why you made the decision and why you wanted to talk about it with people.
4: I'll be honest. I wanted to hide and I probably hid for about six to seven weeks after we really had made this decision So we decided to shut down our food business because, like I said, we definitely went non-traditional when we were growing our business. We focused a lot on our local markets, our online customers, and just scaling like that. But the reality is, unless you're willing to take investors, unless you're willing to take on rounds of money, then it's really, really hard to grow and to just become profitable. Dan and I had funded our business from the start um, ourselves, and we just never were able in seven years to turn a profit from it. And we had, you know, we reached those elusive six figures, but that was six figures in revenue. It was not six figures in profit. And every time it came, to do like a, a run for our food business it would be this huge stressful thing because it cost us money every time and we had built amazing relationships we'd gotten into whole foods and it was truly amazing but we couldn't sustain it anymore and we have we just had our third little girl um in february in oh my gosh, now I'm saying her birthday wrong in March. She was supposed to come in February, but she decided not to. So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to run this food business where we're not making money or be home and enjoy her even more and really enjoy our coaching business, which turns a lot of profit. So it was one of those like it's now we need to make this decision now and something that my mentors and business coach have have been kind of getting on me for a while but it's a hugely emotional business there was so many connections I love feeding people I've I've had amazing amazing reviews and clients and it was just really hard but it came down to I don't have enough time in the day my family is what I talk about all the time, just how important they are and how much I want to be with them. And how could I continue to run this business that wasn't paying us anything and sacrifice the time with my family. So that's where it started. And it's been a long time coming. It's sad. It's bittersweet, but, uh, it needed to be done. And I decided to share that because how many decisions are super hard to make that we go through. And I hear, I hear and talk to my clients and students every day about these hard decisions. How could I not be transparent about what I'm going through? And people ask me all the time about how it's going. And I just had a pit in my stomach every time I'd be like, oh, it's, it's okay. We're taking a break. So I needed to come out with it and be truthful.
2: I really want to just give you a big thank you for that because I think that way too frequently people do hide things along those lines. They don't want to talk about this perception of failure. And I don't view this as a failure. You did an amazing job. You had a wonderful product, which I have had many times. And I think it is. this is just another point in your journey. So I really appreciate that you are willing to talk about it and talk about your business evolution. I do want to switch gears a little bit because you do a lot of work helping influencers build their business. And this is something both Jamie and I are incredibly passionate about. What are some of the stumbling blocks that you see getting in the way of building a strong influencer business?
4: I think the biggest thing is just the lack of strategy, honestly. And it's no one's fault because you don't know what you don't know type of thing and i think there's huge misconceptions around the fact that you need to get to this page view number or this follower point before you can actually start to have a business and it's just it's just not true you don't need to wait until some point where things will magically unlock. Because if you keep waiting, then it's just never going to happen.
2: That is such a good point. And I think that unfortunately, when we talk about strategy, way too many people think that they can find a paint by number strategy that's Mm -hmm. just out there, follow that, pop themselves into the formula, and they're going to see magical results. And I think that unfortunately, people get disappointed. And then they're saying, why isn't it happening? And I love the fact that you really do treat people's business as individual businesses that each one deserves its own strategy because every person is bringing something different to the table.
4: Absolutely. It's it's so true. And a lot of the times they don't bloggers and influencers don't even realize that they actually are helping people and that they actually are serving people by creating this amazing amazing content because you know sometimes like maybe for you and for me the content can be the hardest part. We know how to get clients. We can figure out how to serve them but it content can be really hard for people who are starting out but they've got this they usually have amazing pictures and amazing content but they don't realize that they actually are solving the problems of their audience
2: that is such true advice I think because I agree with you I think that they think I'm just a blogger And if there's any statement that I could just take away from people who are in this space is that idea that they are just a whatever, they're small business owners. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I love that you really do drive that point home with the people you work with in your business. So I want to ask, are there any tools that you feel influencers aren't using enough or aren't using the right way when they're kind of looking at what their strategies are?
4: You probably are expecting me to say like Facebook ads right now, which I do think is really important because I teach a lot about that, but I honestly think the tools that bloggers and influencers aren't using is not just a tool, it's a location. They're not using their own communities enough. And I think that's one of the biggest untapped opportunities that bloggers and influencers are really missing out on. So when I have my five stages of moving along the blogger and influencer success path, and local community is like stage zero, it's exactly where you need to start because, yes, we can build these online businesses, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm super passionate about that because I'm, I'm here. I love Facebook ads. I love that strategy. But if you want to start making money now, you need to become an expert in your local community because it builds relationships the fastest and you can present your expertise to people who really want it and who are like right outside
2: your door. That is such good advice. I love it so much because it's so true and I think that people do tend to look on a very more macro level of I need all the page views from all the places and they don't necessarily think about who's around them and who they can easily communicate with. So that's such good advice. So I also want to ask you about, I do want to ask you about Facebook ads because I do view you as an absolute expert in this area. Do you think that that's something that influencers can or should be using differently because I hear in a lot of groups, I boosted my post, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of people will say, Don't bother boosting, it's not going to get you as much as a targeted ad. Do you think, do you agree with that, or how do you recommend people use them?
4: First of all, I always give this kind of disclaimer I think Facebook ads are amazing, it's how I've grown both of my six figure business one without profit, one with profit. <laughs> Facebook ads is not ready, is not for everyone at every single stage. So you definitely need an overall strategy. I don't just like to run a Facebook ad to run a Facebook ad. You definitely need a goal, whether that goal is to grow your audience or whether that goal is to bring in money. That's, that's up to you and what you need to figure out. But absolutely you need a goal. Don't just start running ads to run ads find a way to make it work for you. But absolutely, don't just hit that boost button because while boosting does get you some results, running and learning how to run a targeted ad will just get you such better and more results that it just it's it's just unbelievably so much better. So if you've had luck with the boost button, learn how to do Facebook ads and you will have so much more success.
2: Very good advice. Now, before we wrap up, can you give us a tip that somebody could implement today that will help them grow and scale their influencer marketing business?
4: I think the it's gonna be a really unsexy tip, which is what I've been talking a lot to my audience about, but the number one thing you need to do for your business, and it's gonna take time, it's gonna evolve as you grow, but it's really, you need to figure out who your target audience is, and you need to get to know that person in and out. You need to be get, knowing what they're thinking at any point in the day. And it sounds complicated. It's really not. The best thing you can do is go have a conversation with five of your readers. And that will start to give you amazing insight that you never even thought about before. But getting to know that person and creating content programs and services for that person is one of the best, most important things you can do for your business.
2: Very good advice. I also want to make sure that everyone knows about the services you offer. So can you tell us a little bit about how people can work with you?
4: Right now, I actually have a free five-day series that you can join called Fall in Love with Facebook because I do think Facebook can be a really important part of your growth strategy. And that's what a lot of people come to me for. So it's kind of like give them what they want. So you can join that if you go to NicoleCulver.co forward slash F be love. And I would love to have you join us. It's Facebook marketing is so much fun and it's a free series. So you can learn a little bit about it and see how it can work for you and your business.
2: I love it. We will make sure that that is linked in the show notes as well. Now, before we let you go, can you answer our rapid fire questions for us? Of course. Okay. Now I know the answer to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> coffee or tea?
4: Oh, coffee, like all day. It's really bad.
2: <laughs> You in my head, along with my husband are like the two people I think of when I think coffee drinkers that I know.
4: (laughs) Oh, so, okay. I've niched down to something right then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Number two, what's your favorite book? It can be business or not business.
4: Oh my gosh. What's my favorite book? So I would say the book of the year for me in 2018 so far is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller.
2: I'm putting it on my list.
4: Oh my gosh. I haven't read it yet. amazing. Yes, you need to.
2: What was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself? Hmm,
4: that's a really good question. I do, honestly, I do a lot of things for myself. Um, little wins, I'll even just go get an iced coffee with my husband. Um, big wins. I My most recent thing I bought was a new pair of sunglasses to celebrate um, a really good launch.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have a word for the year? And if so, what is it?
4: Yes, thrive.
2: I love that. Are you Apple or PC? Apple. Now, last one, tell everyone where they can find you.
4: Come find me, my Facebook group and my Facebook page is the best places to find me, the Blissful Bites community, or you can find me over on Facebook, my Facebook page, just Nicole Culver.
2: And we will make sure everything is linked in the show notes. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us and telling everybody a little bit more about your story.
4: Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun.
2: That was such a fun interview. I love Nicole. I think she's so awesome. And I, I'm still, my mind is always blown by the fact that she has three little girls who are under the age of five, I believe, might be under six. And she gets so much done.
3: I, If I were a GIF, my GIF would be my head exploding. By <laughs> <that>. <laughs> because both my kids are in school full time and I feel like I can barely get anything done. So mm-hmm. that's pretty... That's pretty amazing. She is elevated to rockstar status.
2: Absolutely. You can visit us at com slash HQ. And we want to hear from you about the people that you've met through masterminds. Have you done a mastermind? Tell us a little bit more about what that experience was like for you. And for show notes, please go to com slash episode
3: 35. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessese.com. We'd really love to hang out with you on our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.
4: in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other.
1: Wow. And where can people subscribe?
4: Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.